This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. I can't wait for you to meet our next guest. Dea Lawrence is the CMO of Variety Magazine, something that was a mainstay in my life as a young aspiring actor. Uh, when I was just a kid, I used to read Variety from cover to cover. Here you'll hear about how it's made a fantastic transition to digital and how Variety Magazine has really not just survived, but thrived in a changing era for print. You'll also hear about how Dea herself has survived uh, as an actor first and then turning into a brilliant seller and marketer and how she's been able to really control her career by using her amazing and impressive sales skill. Take a listen. So welcome, Daya, to the show. Well, thank you so much for that lovely introduction and thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. And I know I had mentioned to you before about how variety was really like a mainstay in my adolescence and young adulthood and and just really thrilled to have you on the show. Tell me a little bit of the story of your career. I want to know how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, I have got to where I am today in a very unconventional way. Uh, I was like yourself. I was an actor when I was young. I started acting when I was nine and I went to Catholic university and majored in theater in Washington, DC. And then I went to New York city and I worked in regional theater and I starred in a couple of off Broadway shows in particular with Charles Bush, who is a Tony award nominated playwright. Wow. I was in the theater company. I was the lead in Vampire Lesbians of Sodom, which amazing. is something I like to break up. That's amazing. <laughs> when that people, is a fun fact, like a dinner party. Is that a fun fact? Yes. yes. For a year and a half, I was the lead in Vampire Lesbians of Sodom, and I also played opposite Charles in Psycho Beach Party off-Broadway, so there's sort of a little cult following there. Whenever I'm in a meeting with people that, you know, have degrees from Harvard Business School, and they turn to me and they go, what do you think we should do? I'd like to say, you're asking me? I was the lead in Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. You went to Harvard. You tell me. Amazing. So um, it just goes to show you don't have to follow a conventional path because I think mine has been as unconventional as it could possibly be. And then I toured with a Broadway show and um, I was in New York City. And I always sold because I was an actor. So I got my real estate degree, uh, my real estate license, and I sold real estate. I sold the third most expensive condominium. I was the head of sales at the third most expensive condo in Manhattan, which was a great experience. Um, but when I first went to New York, I sold cosmetics. I sold perfume and I like to say that the women of Saks Fifth Avenue in the cosmetics department taught me how to sell. 
I learned so much from those women, and I still think they're the best salespeople I've ever met. After I um, I came to Los Angeles, and I needed a job uh, as I was still pursuing my acting career, and I got hooked up with a company, a, a film director who owned a business called the Hollywood Creative Directory, and it was probably the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. Um, he had this book of directories of who does what in Hollywood, and he needed someone just part-time, and because I had a pretty good sales background already, I said, you know, let's look at these books. I think I think you could do a lot more with these with these directories. Let's get them in in bookstores. And then we built a website and having been involved in the ground floor of how to build a subscription-based website, it taught me a lot about the digital space. The company sold to iFilm and the whole time I worked for him, I was still going out of town and doing plays. And when the company sold, I was doing a production of an Alan Akeborn play at a regional theater. And then I came back into town and he said, please stay with the company. We're going to a company called iFilm, which was a precursor to YouTube. And wow. this was in like 1999 during the, the real startup days when everybody was buying those tech stocks and yes. internet stocks and everything was going kind of crazy, <laughs> really crazy. It was a crazy so, time. It was a huge bubble. It was a huge bubble. So I got in right at the bubble and wow. I became the, I went there and I became the director of marketing for their iFilm Pro products. And they had bought this was this com- what this company did was they had a great idea and if they had just tweaked it a little bit it could have been YouTube. It was user generated video content, but yeah. what we were doing was we were grading it before we would put it up. So we would watch all this content, give it an A, B, C, D and then promote the ones that we thought you know were A content and then not putting things up sometimes if we didn't think it was good enough, which was a mistake, right? We should have just let everybody put everything up. Of course. And then they, right? But yeah, well, because what YouTube it's subjective. Did. What's good is right. Exactly. Right. But that's not what the thinking was at that time. Yep. And then they had this whole other division that had all these products from the entertainment industry that they had purchased on a B2B on the B2B side. So the Hollywood Creative Directory was sold to iFilm and I became the director of marketing for all these B2B products and my job was to integrate them. And it was I, I learned so much at this company and then the whole thing went bust and they laid pretty much most of the most of the company off. And I had been watching Variety because they had a um they wanted to own the creative directory, but iFilm won out on the bid. So I called them up and said I, uh, they had started to develop their own uh, product that was also directories in the entertainment industry. And I, was, I just called them up cold and said, you know, I've been watching you develop this product, and I think I can help you. I know a lot about this type of, of product and how to market it and how to sell it. And I came in, and I came in with a business plan and a portfolio, and I went through every single thing that I thought they should do, and they hired me right away. Oh, my goodness. So wait, when was this that you came to Variety? This was in 2001. So I went in 2001, and 
Am I giving you too much information about no. what's going to on you. and on and on? But you know, it's a fascinating story, and be prepared because I have two hundred <laughs> questions based on your insights. It's an awesome, awesome story, Dad. Keep going. So, okay. so here's what happened. I went there in two thousand one, and they said, "Well, we can't afford you." And I said, "Well, I'll work four days a week for you as long I'm an actress, as long as you let me go to auditions and continue if I get acting work." And they said, "Yes." And so that's what I did for a couple of years at Variety. And then they said, you can't do this anymore. We want you to work full time. And they made me the vice president of sales and marketing for their digital division. And I built up their, their website and I built up their sales. And it was, I built the whole team, the sales team. I designed the materials, the rate card. I, we did everything. My team did everything. And it was really fun. And when I came to Variety, they had $200,000 in revenue on the website. And when I left, this I left, this is my second time at Variety. I left in 2000, at the beginning of 2008, there was, we had 10 million in revenue on Variety.com. Not counting the paper, that was just the digital revenue. And then um, it was, again, when the digital industry had really, you know, there was a lot of heat around it. I had a lot of recruiters calling me. And I went to Point Roll, okay. which was Rich Media. Yes. And I ran the Western region for Point Roll, and I was there for five years. And it was an amazing experience. Uh, working at Point Roll was like getting your PhD in digital. We served Fortune 500 campaigns. I worked on Apple. I worked on Nike, Microsoft. I mean, we had major, major brands that we were serving them all of their rich media ads for. So that was really great. And then I left there and I wanted to learn mobile. So I went to AT&T and I ran the Western region for their mobile division. And then AT&T decided that they were not going to be in the mobile advertising game and they shut it. uh, AT&T AdWorks, everything outside of the television, outside of Uverse, they shut it all down. And laid everybody off. And then I went to Tube Mogul and I was the vice president of sales for their Western region. Okay. And then after that, I had an opportunity to go and run a sales, national sales team at a startup in Silicon Valley. And I did that. And Variety had, through the years, they had, they kept calling me and asking me to come back and asking me to come back. And, um, Finally, this this opportunity came up to be the chief marketing officer, and I thought, you know what? I, I've been in sales for the last eight years running sales teams. I wanted to go back to marketing and do something creative again. So I'm so fortunate that my friend, Michelle Sabrino Stearns, who is the fabulous publisher of Variety, thought enough about me that she really wanted me to come back and gave me this opportunity. So that's what I'm doing here. So this is an incredible story. And no, you did not give us too much detail. You gave us exactly the right amount of detail because I have all of 2 million questions, but I'm actually going to only ask you, I'm only going to ask you a few. So did you know that sales, the ability to sell was a skill that you had? Did you, did you always know that? Do you knew that like in your gut? You always knew that. Always, always, always. When I was a child, when other kids were selling like lemonade, I had set up a store 
with two of my friends in the neighborhood and I made them go get like their toys and I made flyers and, you know, put them up and we would sit there all day long (laughs) selling toys and I really loved it. And then when I was in high school, I was the business manager, um, I was the business editor of the yearbook and I was the editor of our school paper and I figured out how nobody was reading the school paper at the time. And I thought, well, if we take pictures of the kids and we make, if we give the paper out for free, we don't have to worry about selling the paper to them. We can just go get advertising for it. And so, um, I revamped the way the high school newspaper ran, which was, um, kind of fun. And That's amazing. I learned about advertising when I was in high school. And so so did you, because to me, what I hear through your whole story is that your ability to sell, um, your ability to really do that helped you carve the exact sort of path that you wanted. You went where you wanted to, when you wanted to. And I I think that that's that's such a fascinating piece. And I, I also loved the this shift from sales and marketing. Now I've, I've heard a lot of different opinions on this. How, how mm-hmm. linked do you feel sales and marketing are? Do you think that you can be a good marketer without uh, sort of the ability or understanding of sales? Well, I think there, I mean, I think everyone's different. So, yeah. but I can tell you when I was selling and I would get materials, some materials. It depended who the person was. When I was at Point Roll, the person that ran marketing had been in sales, so she really understood it. And so she was really able to craft the story very well for us. I mean, she was very, very helpful. Um, but I'd worked at other places where they had never been in sales before, and you'd get these decks, and you'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. And mm-hmm. we'd have to rewrite them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, crafting these decks, telling the story, taking them apart. I mean, you, you've got to be in the room and go Absolutely. out on a meeting and understand how, the, how, how, what is the story you're trying to tell? So when I, when I came back, one of the things I did here was I wanted to go out on sales meetings to listen and to see. And once I was able to see how they were using the current materials, I could say, okay, well, let's maybe we can try it a different way. And that helped me. You know, I think you do, you have to, sales and marketing are so integrated. And also the other thing that struck me was you had experience at a company that was kind of on its way up, right? So it was your, the company that then sold um, and that was growing and, yeah. and, and sold over. And then you had experience on the way down, right? So during the bus, yes. when, when things started going down, um, what yeah. did they, did they teach you different things? Did it teach, did you see similarities in that in kind of just the, mm-hmm. the giant movement versus a company that has mm-hmm. sort of more stability? And what did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I learned a lot from it. So one thing I've learned is, and I didn't just learn this from my sales and marketing career. I also learned this from my acting career. And maybe I was able to withstand it better because I was an actor. Mm-hmm. I always used to say I've never been in a show that didn't close. Every show right. I've ever been in closed. No matter how great the experience was, no matter how high you felt from it, it comes to an end. So what I used to say to some of the people on my sales team was, okay, don't get too cocky. You're making all this money right now. You're having a really good year. 
you may not have a good year next year, or you may have an, another good year, but the year, the following year might be bad, that everything is cyclical. And, you know, what goes up must come down. And my career in digital coincided with the rise and fall of the stock market twice. Right. So, you, you know, I've worked for companies where everybody, you can look at some of these tech stocks and see how they rise up. And then all of a sudden, when it's your turn to sell your stock, the stock is crashing, right? right? Or it's going down. You know, I'm not saying that's my personal experience. I know it's been the experience of people that I've known. So what I've learned is is that everything changes and that you can't just say, oh, this is, you know, this is where I am and this is where I'm going to stay and everything's great. I mean, just the history of variety. When I worked at Variety in 2000 to 2000, you know, 2001 to 2007 and that, those years, Variety was high. I mean, right. we were doing extraordinarily right. right. I left in 2008 and then Variety went under, there was a change of management and it went over some very difficult times. I mean, it was a, not blaming anyone, but it was a difficult time in the print industry. Many, of many course. print publications went through a great transition. Jay Penske saved Variety. He came in and he purchased the company and Variety's had a huge, we're, we're up. We are moving up, up, up. We've had 30% growth in digital, 30% growth in events, 9% growth in print where other people are, other print publications are floundering. Variety has got a big, strong comeback story. So I feel blessed that I'm at a place that's back on the upswing, but you know, I went to AT&T thinking it would be stable. Who would think that AT&T, you know, AT&T right. turned out to be the least, the least stable of all stable. of them. Right, right. Right. So, talk to so, a little so bit you just about don't that. know. And, you know, you just, you got to hang on and ride the wave. And when you, you also, I think what a couple of times I was prescient enough to see that this isn't going to sustain, I'm getting out. Mm. And, um, for having been in the tech sector for, for the last eight years, I think some of it's a little played out. I know there's way more to go, and I'm talking about ad technology. Yes. Um, you know, there's 110 DSPs on the mark, in the marketplace right now. Yep. yep. Very competitive selling a DSP, and there are nuances in these differences. And it's hard enough, difficult enough for people who work at some of these companies to understand the nuances. Never mind the marketers who's purchasing these DSPs. And do we need 110 DSPs? I don't know. I don't think so. Tell me a little bit about variety and tell me about what the approach to digital is that you've, you've had this tremendous growth and, and how you're approaching it and how you, how you incorporate social into that mix as well. So that's a great question. So social is a very, is probably one of the most important initiatives. So right now what I'm working on at Variety is video. The video is a huge initiative for us for obvious reasons. Premium content, and you know, there's a, a lot, you know, programmatic is the buzzword right now, and there's a lot of video that you can buy programmatically through various platforms, but it's not the best inventory. It's not the premium content. And what yep. people still want to watch is premium content, right? Totally. We still want to watch, we still want to watch great shows on television or on, you know, on OTT platforms. We want to watch great content. So variety is making great content. So uh, one of the things I'm working on now is how do we get more people watching all this great content? Mm -hmm. So, 
for social, we had a, a very successful story over the weekend. So um, one of the things we've done is we've been, we are using this technology called LiveView, and yes. it allows us to edit very quickly, shoot and edit very quickly, and live tweet video and get it out on Facebook very, very quickly. We had access, we're, because we're Variety, we were on the red carpet, and of we course. had access backstage at the Golden Globes, and um, we were able to very quickly shoot a, some great snackable moments and get them out on Twitter and Facebook. So, for example, we shot the Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know if you saw yes, this. Yes, of course. Which part? Well, she was calling out the yes, reporter. The phone. Yes. She says, "Put down your phone. This is the Golden Globes, not the Oscars." That was ours. We got it out first. Wow. So, I mean, it just blew up on social media. Last night, we already had four million views and uh, 98% completion rate. I mean, the numbers were fantastic. So it sounds so, like it's it's the ability to get premium custom content out quickly is, is what you're trying to do versus quickly. having it be, a, right, having it be on a DSP. Quickly, I yeah. totally got it. Right. That is fabulous. Another piece, um, so we, we go to a lot of events, right? We are, yeah. we were at the, Sean Penn and Madonna event on Saturday night. We were one of the media sponsors of the of the Haitian fundraiser. In addition to the forty different events that we put on, um, we we have access to so much. So we are shooting at these events, and we are also creating our own content. So. Uh, for example, we have a show called Actors and Actors, Actors on Actors, that's on PBS. And we also have this on Variety.com. And it's the contenders for Oscar season and also for Emmy season. And they interview each other and they talk about the craft of acting. So our perspective is not the celebrity. It's not Us Magazine. It's right. not It's the business of entertainment. It's a much more serious conversation. We had um, Will Smith talking about how the reason why he got into acting was his girlfriend in high school rejected him, and he wanted to become so successful that he could get back at her. That clip took off. We put that out on Facebook. We we spend a lot uh, of time on on Facebook and mm-hmm. trying to figure out the formula as to what is going to get the most, what's going to resonate the most. Yep. Um, we have an event called Power of Women. We do it in New York and Los Angeles where we honor five women at each event who have done a lot for uh, philanthropy and charity. And this year we honored Oprah and Anna Kendrick and uh, um, Selma Hayek and um, Gwyneth Paltrow. And our hashtag was Power of Women. And Anna Kendrick's fans changed it to Power of Anna. <laughs> and that happened very organically, and we were thrilled <laughs> to see this. And it's very interesting when you see the results from some of these events and what the conversation was. And, you know, we were the top topic in Los Angeles for the weekend that we did our Power of Women event. So, and and really for us, we're learning a lot about social, and we're trying to make it much more of a priority, and we're 
trying to determine, you know, in our social studio, what is it that we're going to, what are we going to shoot and how are we going to make this work? And then how are we going to monetize it? Absolutely. And Dale, talk to me just a little bit about your personal use of social. So obviously you've been uh, through a lot of changes within digital and and as social has become Mm -hmm. more of a kind of, Mm -hmm. everyone's got to do it, permission to play. Uh, Tell me about Mm -hmm. how your use of social has changed and what your kind of social behavior is like. My personal social behavior? Yes. Do, you, or do you use it personally? Are you, yes. do you think it matters, you know, and, and you, and does it help you in any way? Well, I, I do think it matters. And mm-hmm. I think that in order to market on these platforms, I think you've got to be engaged in it and use it mm-hmm. yourself. So for me personally, um, within the last, I guess, year or so, I've really become much, much more engaged with Twitter. Yep. I'm trying to, you know, uh, because I have access to a, a lot of events and a lot of uh, very interesting conversations, I've been trying to tweet from those conversations. I use Facebook, you know, for fun. I love yep. Facebook. Yep. Um, Instagram, I'm, I wasn't really using it that much personally, but I have to do it now because we have an Instagram account and I'm responsible for it. So wow. in order for me, I've got to use Instagram in my life and I'm, I'm trying to use it more, and now um, I've got somebody on our team that's taking care, that's really um, a big fan of Snapchat, and so I always believe you play to people's strengths, so she's been taking on Snapchat, but I've got to get much more engaged with it personally myself. Yeah, it's really counterintuitive. Uh, Snapchat is really hard if it's not, I mean, for me as somebody who, you know, I run Mm -hmm. a social agency and even for, this is the first network that I felt like, wow, I really am like out of my age element here where it's, it's like feels counterintuitive to me. Even like when you swipe, I I was like, this is created by young people. So it's really, it's, it's a challenge. I I agree with you that it's very Mm -hmm. important to learn. And I think, um, but I do think that it is the first network where, um, it shows that it was built by like a totally, totally different generation. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he was really young when he founded it. It's, it's a, it's a wild experience. Really wild. So I'm so happy, Daya, that we were able to have you on the show. And since you're using Twitter more, why don't you tell us where we can follow you and where we should follow Variety on Twitter to connect? Okay. Well, Variety is very easy. You just follow Variety at Variety. Okay. Easy. Yeah. Perfect. And then I'm at D-E-A Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, and then the number one, Daya Lawrence one. Daya Lawrence. Follow me. I, we will. I'll follow you back. Followers from this. And Daya, I have to tell you, you are a totally fascinating interview. And I love uh, just the oh. power of the ability for you to control your career through being unafraid and, and kind of unabashedly, you know, selling and, and doing what you needed to do to create uh, your destiny. I love it. I love the whole well, thank thing. Thank you. Well, necessity drove a lot of it. So yep. I can't yep. really take all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> I love you know, it. you do what you have to do because I, I certainly like to shop. So in order to shop, I've got to make money. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, Sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likable Media. Likable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likable.com.